0: Hey guys, I'm Justin with Legato Financial Group. Our firm is passionate about helping educate consumers, which is why we're powering the Gaining Interest podcast. The podcast of quick conversations with industry experts on topics that you want to know about, from sports, to dining, to healthcare and automotive, and really everything in between. It's hosted by one of the greatest local personalities that I've met, that's John Ramsey. I'll
1: tell you why I love this podcast, because it's all about community. We used to call it water cooler talk, and that no longer exists. But if it's interesting to you, it's interesting to us. We encourage you to tell your friends. As Justin mentioned, we're gonna talk about everything under the sun. We will be gaining interest, and we appreciate you watching. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Gaining Interest. It's all about things that are interesting. We've talked about the restaurant industry. We've talked about bourbon and how it's distilled and why Kentucky bourbon is so good. But if you're a Kentuckian, I promise you, you probably know someone or you happen to be someone who has a passion and an affinity for horse racing and horses in general. With me now is Mr. Garth Waterfield. Garth, I'm going to establish you as an expert real quickly. So tell us a little bit about your background, if you don't mind, and welcome to the show.
0: Well, I appreciate that, and uh, yeah, so I was in the industry uh, for quite a bit, eight, nine years, um, worked for several exclusive and very big farms in Kentucky, uh, but I got my start uh, at a small farm in Frankfort, Kentucky called Ram Spring Farm. Uh, it was a family friend, uh, really enjoyed it, didn't really know much about horses when I started, I was just mowing the lawn and doing that stuff. Uh, But got really involved in it uh, and really enjoyed it. And then I went to a program in, in Ireland called the Irish National Stud. And it is truly a way to study horses, thoroughbreds, farm management, uh, and all that so it was a great thing and then from there uh, managed some other farms and also lived in Australia and worked on farms there so uh, kind of been all over the world uh, but also really here in Kentucky where we do call it the horse capital World. oh yeah,
1: oh, yeah. You're, you're an interesting cat in that before we continue on this horse story I want to talk a little bit about what you do now by the way we are powered by Legato Financial Group and we thank them for sponsoring the show but like Legato you're in the financial world right yes
0: yeah, absolutely. So I work for Investors Heritage Life Insurance Company, and we uh, give solutions to financial firms like Legato uh, in the annuity space. So anything to help their clients in retirement. So is that through annuities or life insurance? Uh, and we, we provide them with great products to help their clients into retirement.
1: You mentioned that you started at a, at a young age working on a horse farm, but what really brought you to that? and it is is to me is interesting and heartwarming. Tell us a little bit.
0: Yeah, so it was a bit of a tragedy. Uh, One of my best friends got in a car wreck and was paralyzed um, back when I was about 20 years old. Uh, And it really, it really caused a lot of pain, uh, suffering, and it caused my schooling to go, uh, go south. So uh, his family owned a horse farm and in my way of kind of helping them out and helping him out, I went and worked on their farm and doing some of the tasks that he was doing, mowing the the grass, helping with the fences, things like that. So uh, that kind of got me into it, gave me the passion of understanding it. They kind of worked me into working with the horses, which again, I had no experience with horses. I won't lie, I was pretty deathly afraid of them uh, at first, but really grew in the passion of what the thoroughbred is and what the horses are and what Kentucky brings to thoroughbred racing. Uh, and through that got the experience of trying to go and make a career out of it. Uh, so I went to the Irish National Stud and that's where I got, gained my knowledge uh, and my passion and uh, kind of moved on from there. So let's
1: talk about that a little bit because your history and the history of horse racing in general does a lot of it originates in Ireland. Absolutely. So you're an international horseman. So tell me a little bit of difference and why the philosophy is important, the difference in Ireland and Kentucky and the way they do things. And why would a guy from Kentucky say, I need to go to Ireland to learn?
0: Yeah. So, you know, historically there wasn't really any kind of training or, um, you know, programs that really trained you on all aspects of the thoroughbred. So from when they are born up until when they get to the racetrack, Uh, Ireland, I think they started that program back in the sixties. So it's been a long line of, of uh, producers and uh, great horsemen that have come out of there. Uh, Actually, a lot of uh, people that have studied there actually own farms now here in Kentucky. Um, So we're like-minded a lot from how we raise horses, um, do racing and things like that. Ireland and Kentucky. That's why we have a lot of Irish people that come into Kentucky and set up farms and work here. Uh, So it's very closely mixed there. Uh, But the reason I wanted to go there was because it had a program. It had a long-standing program and it had one that uh, was world-renowned. So That's how I kind of got there.
1: So it's my understanding, so tell me if this is a misconception. It's my understanding that the reason we have problems sometimes with younger horses here is we train them to be fast very quickly. And they take their time a little bit more in Europe and in Ireland. They bring them along slower because when you're stressing out a, a young colt or a young filly, it is hard on the bones and the tendons. Is you're shaking your head, yeah. So Garth, that's it true. It is.
0: It is true. It is true. And you know, our our training is a little bit different than theirs too. Uh, like you said, they kind of coax them along and take their time. We are different. We want we want every horse to win the Derby. So you got to start them early. You got to start them at two. Uh, you know, the Derby is for three year old horses. So you got to get them there and ready to go to the Derby. That's the goal. That's what everybody wants is to win the Kentucky Derby. Um, so, you know, they do take their time. That's not you know, they do have big races around three-year-olds, but they're not always wanting to win those. Um, you know, their training also is done completely different. We train all of our horses on the track. So if you're racing at Churchill, you're training at Churchill there, they have farms specifically built for just training. So their trainers own their own farms and they have their own training tracks, their own stables. So it's a completely different, Uh, training world there. Interesting.
1: So we mentioned Ireland, of course Mm -hmm. here in Kentucky they have fantastic programs. Absolutely. But you also have some training, some education that happened in Australia. Yep. The the land down under. So I, I do not associate Australia with horses, but you say unbelievable
0: unbelievable unbelievable so they're ones that want horses to go fast too so their biggest race is a two-year-old race called the golden slipper Uh, so they want to train those horses up fast as well but they're a little bit different you know they're uh here in kentucky we stable our horses uh they're coming into the stalls every day uh getting fed getting checked in australia they are treated as herd animals out in the field constantly um so they really In my opinion grow a different horse they grow bone uh, because of them being outside roaming and things like that Uh, it's just a different world again they do the same thing Uh, some trainers have farms other trainers train on the track there so it's kind of a mixture between european and american racing Uh, but they also get really good stallions coming from kentucky shipped down there so it's a different hemisphere, so you got the southern and northern hemisphere, our breeding season is January or February to June, theirs is opposite. So our stallions that are here in Kentucky get shipped down south uh, for the second part of the year to breed their mares there as well. Wow. So it's a it's turned into a world industry in the last 10 to 15 years. Pretty
1: obvious to me, you are you're a great resource. So. Let's talk a little bit about, you've already mentioned, like you mentioned breeding, and mm-hmm. I know, I can tell that you know a lot about confirmation. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's interesting, we go to these horse auctions. What does someone look for like you, if you're looking to purchase a, a stallion or a filly, what do you look for in a horse other than confirmation? Because to me, they're all beautiful animals. I look at someone who doesn't know, and I go, wow, these are just beautiful animals, but there is... Slight differences, I would assume, that you're looking for. So what are you looking for?
0: Absolutely. So, you know, as I always like to say it, you're looking for an athlete. Just like any other athlete in basketball, football, you want to look for an athletic type of horse. Um, So, you know, it – Every person that is trying to buy a horse is looking for something different. They have their own needs. Uh, They may say, if I'm an owner of a horse, I like running my horse's distance. I like running my horses on the turf. I like running sprint races. Um, It also comes to the breeding. So the stallion is very conducive of producing a sprinter, a long runner, uh, things like that also the mayor so it it, uh, there's a combination of bloodlines and things like that but for me it's always an athletic aspect Uh, When you're at the sales, they will walk for you when you're there. So you're trying to see how athletic of a walk they have. You're trying to see the balance of the horse. Are they very balanced from front to back? Uh, Confirmation on the front end. You know, are they towing out, towing in? Are their knees crooked? Are their ankles crooked? Um, A lot of that also mental capacity. Are they mentally there are they not space cadet looking all over the place kind of freaking out Um, so it's it's it takes a lot and it also again it comes down to what is your preference what have you seen in the past of your history of buying horses what has worked for you and it's all different across the board.
1: Okay, I'm, I'm gonna seek a, a kind of a personal agenda here. And okay. I think folks who are watching this, by the way, thanks again to Legato Financial. Really appreciate sponsoring gaining interest. But okay, if I go to the racetrack, and this is, I know this is really simplified, but you mentioned a horse that is looking around and doesn't seem very focused. What should I look for when they're doing the parade or they're in the stall or if I see this horse? on? What should you look for prior to a race? Can you is that is that too simplified? I mean,
0: no, no, absolutely. It's something I look at uh, all the time. Um, you know, let's go to that aspect of looking around and things like that. You'll see horses that have blinkers on, so it's the mask with the little cones that really focuses a horse. So they're not looking left or right; they're focused uh, straight ahead. So horses, because they're herd animals, uh, they are. You know historically predators are coming after them so their vision can really look kind of behind them quite a bit even when they're looking forward so those horses that are kind of space cadets is what i like to call them uh those blinkers really kind of focus them uh other things to look about you know this is kind of a uh thing for me but if uh, if a horse is going to the bathroom prior to going to the gate. Uh, that's something to think about. Is that Whether good or bad? It. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's good. It's it for me. It is again. Gambling and betting on horses is kind of a preference thing for every individual. Uh, you can always look at the racing and what they've done in their past and their breezes, uh, but you're always trying to see um, kind of those nuances that you've historically done well with betting on. So, you know, if they're going to the bathroom, uh, calm horses. You see a lot of horses in between their hind legs where they're kind of washed out, what we call washed out, where they're uh, sweat and it's very white on the inside. So they're worked up. So they may not be ready to go or they may blow too fast, too hard. Uh, so they're already worn out. So the ones that aren't washed out, not too sweaty, things like that, it all can be something that you want to look at.
1: Garth, the next time we
0: talk I'm taking notes.
1: I'm going, <laughs> I'm gonna do that. <laughs> okay. So for someone who goes to the track there's a financial component obviously here. Absolutely. And I'm not good at it. Uh, but for someone who owns a horse or buys into a horse, there's a financial component. And you're the perfect guy to ask because you're in the financial yep, world. Yeah, so, yeah. so let's talk about it. I think the stereotypical thought process is no one makes money in horse racing. Obviously, they do. There's these horse farms that have existed forever, you know, 200 years, and they're doing well. Someone's making money. So what separates those? Is it the knowledge or is it they own certain stallions or lines or how does it work?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think across the board, I don't want to downplay it. But yeah, it's very tough to make money in the horse game. It is a gamble across the board. Uh, your commercial breeders uh, can make some money uh, because they've got a lot more uh, mares out there. They're breeding heavily. Uh, they're taking those horses to uh, auction. But I mean, I think the ones that are really making money are the stallion farms. They've got 10 to 12 stallions. They're covering, each stallion's covering about a hundred mares a year. You know. Those stallions roughly will range between seventy-five hundred dollars a stud fee to, I think the highest nowadays is about three hundred thousand. So those stallion farms are making the money. The commercial breeders, the ones that uh, are in for it, that really want to make money—they that is their game. Um, it is tough. It is very tough. But that's where we need to have a strong auction and the sales um, which the last several years we've had strong strong sales in the market Um, so they're still making some money Uh, it just it's tough to do you know and i always joke how do you make a million dollars in uh, the horse industry you start with two so um, (laughs) it's one of those things that it's a tough thing to do Um, it's a lot of fun and i think that's the biggest thing it's it's a interesting and fun thing for these uh people that are in it so so
1: making money can't it can be accomplished it can be it it, it is tough so there are challenges there absolutely so i'd be remiss if i did not ask about some of the challenges that we hear about on the front pages of the paper you know things that are happening to young horses and some of them and we we can't describe we don't know why and it does hurt the future of and having people embrace and love the horse industry or thoroughbred horse racing okay so what do you think i think Churchill Downs has made significant moves. What do you think needs to be done?
0: You know, I, I think they've started to try to centralize the uh, oversight. I don't think they've really hit the mark yet. You know, that's a, it's a tough thing once you get federal government involved in something like this. I don't think they've hit the mark. They don't have enough horsemen Uh, involved in it because horsemen really are the ones that one are affected by it but they also know the game Uh, they know how horses are they don't have the right vets involved but I do think listen it it's a tough game they're 1500 pound animals running at 35 miles per hour Uh, something is going to happen but I think we have um, progressed over the years tremendously from a, a vet standpoint from uh, a training and healthcare standpoint from the trainers and everything else. There are some bad actors out there that do things a little mm-hmm. bit suspect, but you know I think overall the care of a horse is their number one priority, and they do it exceptionally well. Um, if you go onto some of these horse farms, you will see that they have better houses or stalls than most people in America. So they treat these people and these horses. Unbelievably well. Uh, yeah, I, and I believe that
1: totally. But perception is reality, oh, yeah. and there and there is this perception that hey, these horses get drugged up and they're jacked up, and you know, there's all these different kind of drugs. Not true.
0: I don't think so. I mean, I, it's a small percentage. Oh, okay. very small, small. But there are percentage. some bad guys out there. There without are pointing some. Fingers, there's yes. always bad actors in anything that you do, and in the NBA, there were in the NFL and baseball. Let's think about that. There's always going to be that aspect of how do you get ahead? How do you get to beat that horse? But overall, 99.9% of the trainers are clean. They want to do it the right way. It's just a small one. And unfortunately, we've had a few of the big names have come up in that. So it does bring it to the forefront a little bit more Yeah,
1: something that's been not controversial is, is it's unquestioned people love horse racing here mm-hmm. in the state of kentucky and i'm curious your thoughts about gambling though remains controversial what is the allure to me it is that there is this almost human aspect of this i've got a live man on this horse uh, you know i mean an athlete i've got an athlete that he's riding and anything can possibly happen what do you think the allure is why rather than just pulling that arm, pulling that slot machine. Why do people gravitate towards horses?
0: I think it's the thrill of it. You know, you you hear the thundering hooves coming down the racetrack. Uh, it's just the thrill of it being uh, there, the aspect of, um, it's, it's a history, a long history since the 1800s of horse racing. So, you know, for me, I I like gambling here and there on a lot of things, but it's a lot more fun to be in person at the racetrack and hearing those horses come by and thinking, oh, man, I'm, I just got those four coming across in my Superfecta. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> now, Superfecta is very tough Uh-oh. to hit, but, you know, it's it's one of those things, I think, being there to thrill versus just pulling the slot and seeing numbers go by. So
1: Yeah, and a lot to be said for tradition. We always think of the Kentucky Derby, but you do tend to dress up a little bit when you oh, go yeah. to the track. You know it's going to be social. There's that time between races when you can talk and go over the, you know, see the workouts. And yep. it's, it's it's just it's fun. It and is. people who don't understand it, once they experience it, I think they kind of get it.
0: They do. They do. And, I, you know, I've had the experience or the the pleasure of bringing people into the horse industry from an uh, aspect of, of racing. Took probably about eight people to the Derby this year that had never once been to a race. And their first one was the Derby. And I think I got them as uh, horse fans hooked from now on. Because they were texting me uh, for the Preakness and for the Belmont. So, you know, it's one of those things where if you haven't experienced it, um, you kind of maybe bat an eye on it, but once you get there, once you see it, you're like, oh, wow, now I understand why it's such a love yeah. and things like that. So, you know, it's it's a, a lot of fun. Yeah. I always have enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, and now we know why the Tom Brady's of the world come back every year yes. because you get hooked on it. Yeah. You do. You okay, do. so we talked a little bit about horse racing or a lot of bit about horse racing, but there's the horse industry so much more than mm-hmm. that. I mean, there's, you know, saddle bred horses and, of course, thoroughbreds, et cetera. There's the veterinarian side of that. So you're probably much more in touch with the whole infrastructure that it takes to have a horse farm. Talk a little bit about careers and, okay. and other things that you can do in the horse industry.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, again, like I said, I was a farm manager for several years. So, um, really, it starts on the horse farms. That's where thoroughbred racing starts. So, you know, there you're, you're raising foals, you're raising babies to become uh, uh, that that Kentucky Derby winner, hopefully one day. Um, so really, it starts there. You're caring for the mares, you're caring for the babies, you're caring for yearlings. Um, within that, you have grooms that really are the day-to-day, cleaning the stalls, taking care of the horses. You've got the management that oversee. Uh, make sure that the horses are properly cared for. Uh, If there are injuries, you're taking those, then you do have the vets come in and they're there daily uh, working on mares and things because uh, to breed them, you have to, give them scans and make sure that they're in full and make sure they're in heat and things like that. So it's an, a big aspect. Um, now, when it comes to the babies, you've really got to uh, treat them as they're trying to become that athlete. So you're giving them the right proper feed and things like that. Um, so that's one aspect. Then you go to the, the sales, and that's a whole different group. Uh, of people which are called consigners, and they have people that care for the horses and show them and take them to the sales ring Uh, and then you have the buyers that come in and the horse owners that come in and and buy and purchase those yearlings Um, so that's one aspect then you get to the racetrack Uh, and then you've got the trainers and all the people that take care of them the hot walkers which are the ones that are walking the horses after they train after they run in a race Um, and obviously the trainers um, then you've got you know, well within that you also have the people that care for the racetrack. So Keeneland and uh Churchill have all those guys that are driving tractors around and things like that. So there's a huge amount of people that it takes. And then after the racetrack you go back to the farm. So your your Kentucky Derby winners, your big time uh male horses, your uh, stallions go to the farm and they start breeding. And then those mares that uh, raced on the racetrack, they come back to the farm and get bred to produce the next uh, generation of horses. So it's, uh, it's a great aspect and in Kentucky, we uh, employ quite a lot of people yeah. around that industry. That's what I
1: was gonna say, so you made it very apparent, economically, Horse racing is good for the state of Kentucky. That ancillary, fact, like the surrounding jobs that are involved with horse racing. So hopefully we keep it good and healthy here. What, what are your thoughts on that as far as moving forward? Um, are, we, are we going in a positive direction now with some of the corrections and checks that we're having with Churchill Downs and other tracks?
0: I do. I, I, I do. Um, I think there's always room for improvement. Um, you know, if you watch the Breeders' Cup uh, this year, they had some some issues with the vets uh, scratching some horses that they believed were unsound, but they were not. They truly were not unsound. Um, you know, they were European horses, so they spent a lot of money to bring those horses. You over can overcorrect, here. is what you. You yeah. can overcorrect, and you can be very too overcautious because mm. you don't want a horse to break down. Now, you know, in Europe, they have a very strict. Uh, guidelines from that you know there's no doping there's no medication whatsoever and if you get caught over there you're banned a very long time so you know those trainers that are coming to a race over here they they're bringing a horse that's sound they're bringing a horse that's good because they don't want to mess it up Um, so you know I think we still have a ways to go I think we're on the right track it's just got to get refined just like anything uh, that you try to bring regulations into any any industry you need to work through it and refine it but you have to have the right people involved and I think they'll get to that and get the right horsemen involved
1: okay so on a much lighter note you go to the track you're bringing someone who's not familiar with you know how to bet etc what, what do you tell folks do you do you like like some people to say well bet on the gray horse or I, I like chestnuts or bays or whatever what do you, what do you tell someone
0: Yeah, it's an interesting thing. It's one of those that I kind of laugh about, but it is, it's one of those superstitions people have. Um, You know, you're always going to have more bays than chestnuts and grays, but I've always said better gray on a rainy day. So I think if you bet a gray horse on a rainy day, you'll be pretty good. You'll be good pretty take good. Yeah. Good takeaway. Uh, we haven't talked much about
1: jockeys. How much when you're looking at a horse it's breeding, it's speed rating, all this stuff you're looking how much do you look at the jockey and go, okay, this guy, no, this this is a good distance for him? Or, do you do you analyze that too, I,
0: I don't analyze it from a distance standpoint, but I do analyze it as a jockey. I mean, there are the top-rated jockeys that you know – you know, Pat Day back in the day, uh, Gary Stevens, uh, Jerry Bailey. Those were always ones you wanted to bet. Nowadays, it's I Ired Ortiz um, and a few others. So, you know, jockeys are on the good horses. The ones that are on the good horses are on them for a good reason, because they win races. They know how to ride a horse. Um, so, yeah, jockeys come into play quite a bit. And trainers do, too. Let's, let's be honest. If there's a good trainer, you're going to go bet that one probably as well.
1: Garth, is there a horse that has a special place in your heart? Maybe you worked with them. Maybe you won some money on them. I think everyone has a memory at the track. You may have more of a personal memory because your involvement with a farm with an actual horse. Work.
0: Yeah, so actually the one that really comes to mind, well, there's two, but I'll go with the first one, Tonalist. So he's a stallion right now. He won the Belmont, and I can't remember the year, which I should, I should remember the year. Uh, actually, no, it was, well, I'll think about that, but I can't think of it right now. Tonalist. Won the Belmont. Um, and he actually was on the farm that I was farm manager. I fold him out of his mother, uh, one early, early, early morning. Um, and he actually was very sick. So he had renal failure early on in his life in the first, uh, year or first week of his life. Uh, we coaxed him along, uh, saved him you know he was a very big horse he's about 149 pounds when he was born which is massive uh, and he is a big horse right now he's by Tappet, which is a great stallion um, so you know for me to have hands on a horse that won the triple uh, a triple crown race unbelievable couldn't do it and then one horse that i owned uh in a pin hook venture we bought him as a uh bought her, sorry, as a weanling and sold her as a yearling, uh, Lady Shamrock. She went on to win uh, four grade ones. Um, so that's Whoa. that's one that I kind of wish we had held on to. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those things that I got, a, got to own a piece of something that, that did go on and win. And Tonalist won it in 2014.
1: Well, I, I would say that's, that's high level Uh, you know you're you're talking about some horses who have achieved that's 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 really cool i love those stories so here we go okay depending on when this airs 150th kentucky derby it's a big one okay so how excited should we be about that i mean i think uh you know when you look at things that we are proud of in kentucky when i opened i talked about you know the restaurant and you know how many foodies we have in town and great restaurants and then bourbon of course but churchill downs and the kentucky derby it is something to be proud of 150 years
0: it is it's it's pretty crazy to be honest um and especially to see the transformation of churchill downs over the years i mean they have really embraced the derby they've grown it you know i I think it keeps getting bigger and bigger and you know if you're not there on a derby day it is massive and it doesn't look like anybody's there when it's a normal race day but 150th is huge um i think it's going to be a great one i hope that we have a good field of horses for it i hope it's going to be an exciting race i think it will be it always is um so i'm looking forward to it um and it should be a good one should be a good one so is it too corny
1: for me to say Party on, Garth.
0: Well, no, I I, I like that. You knew he was coming. I, no, I, I like that. I usually get Garth Brooks, but I I always say no. I'm Garth Algar, so I, I love that. I love that.
1: Well, I I hope you enjoy every Derby, absolutely. especially this 150th. Thanks for all the knowledge. You, you don't mind if I put you on speed dial when I'm at the track. Yeah, go, hey, absolutely. What do go think? for you, it. Will you will Yeah, all right. no doubt. Appreciate that. Once again, Garth Waterfield, uh, gaining interest is the name of the show. It is a podcast that is brought to you by, sponsored by, and powered by. Legato Financial Group, we'll see you next time.